morning and welcome to Heads Up, a show about mental health wellness. I'm retired school counselor, Sue Mullen, and with me is my co-host, licensed family therapist, Diane Vaccarello. Good morning, Diane. Good morning, Sue. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. I'm happy to be back with you to pick up where we left off talking about the authentic self. So without any further ado, I'm going to ask you to jump in so that we don't waste a single broadcast moment. <laughs> Excellent. One of my favorite topics, talking about the authentic self. And today we're going to talk about some real life examples, you know, just right down to everyday kinds of things where this comes out. And it, uh, it impacts the way we view ourselves, and it impacts the way we view relationships. So it's a really important topic. One of the things we talked about last time was the difference between the authentic self and the adaptive selves. Mm -hmm. So just as a quick summary on that, the idea of the authentic self, it's who we truly are. We're kind of born into that space. And um, if our authentic self gets injured at some level, our adaptive selves are developed to try and protect that um, authentic self from getting injured again. But unfortunately, we can create so many adaptive selves and start to connect with that self instead of our authentic self, which can cause all sorts of challenges. Keep in mind, the goal is not to have um, a lack of adaptive selves. They're actually really helpful for us. They can develop in all sorts sorts of ways to get us through situations. The goal is for us to get to know our authentic self first and foremost. That's really important. And it's to understand the difference between our adaptive selves and our authentic selves. So Diane, let me I didn't know if you're about to say something. Let me, let me ask you a quick question. So with this concept of authentic, lots of people use words like honest or genuine, you know, sort of positive words around the word, uh, around the concept of being authentic. And then adaptive is also a positive word, but it means that we're sort of shifting away from the genuine. So what's the difference between being adaptive and inauthentic? Great question. So again, the goal is to um, have increased self-awareness and reflection on the fact that we even have adaptive selves mm -hmm. and to understand what they're there for and how we can bring them up and peel them back. And that allows us to integrate into one whole person. If we can have that type of insight and understanding and awareness, so we can feel more whole and we can feel more um, in charge of that process as opposed to just having these adaptive selves come up, maybe help us out through a certain situation. Um, you know, sometimes people use them in the workplace in their forward facing interactive self. Um, and sometimes they use them to get through a really tough, even traumatic situation. Um, it's really advantageous for us to develop them and have them, um, but we can't live in them and have this false sense of self in which we think that's really who we are or connect with someone in a relationship where they think that's who we actually are. Okay. That yes. Yeah. It makes sense to me because now you're talking about what we would refer to as people who are kind of fake. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get that sense that yeah. they're not really giving you a true sense of who they are, either they're 
their affect is off a little bit yeah. or uh, there's too much laughing maybe. Yeah, it doesn't um, match. Yeah, can I ask you a real life question though? Yes. So I have um, been known to have uh, a bit of a fiery temper in my authentic world. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't always work well when you're a school counselor or an elected official or uh, a wife or a mother or a grandmother right. or whatever. Yeah. So when I um, get perturbed about something and I'm really hot under the collar and I tamp it down, uh -huh. am, I, am I not being true to my authentic self or am I just being adaptive? Well, certainly there are certain scenarios in which we can't just respond in our raw sort of like response. If it came out in that way, it may not be received. Somebody might shut down. It won't be that effective, but also tamping it down and keeping it suppressed leads to all sorts of problems. So it's really just important to actually take a second, mostly to slow things down and say, how do I actually think and feel about this situation? And it's also um, important to realize we don't have to act on every emotion or feeling or thought that we have. Mm -hmm. So we can still understand what's going on for us and we can still have the physiological response that goes along with that. And then we can decide how do I wanna think or feel or say, or act about this emotion. So, so uh, wait a minute. So if I, so if I, if instead of throwing something, I just acknowledge to the person that I'm angry at or whatever. Hey, listen, I, this that really makes me angry, and I feel uncomfortable about that. Am I both authentic and adaptive in that moment? Well, interestingly, you're adaptive, you're adapting um, your behaviors, right? And you're being adaptive in terms of that relationship to be more effective with communication. I'd say in that scenario, you're adapting your communication to something that works and is effective. Uh, you know, the idea of expressing our emotions is important and it doesn't have to be that you say everything you think and feel to someone. You can journal that out. You can just think about it on your own. It's the increasing awareness about one self that helps them to feel less anxious and um, intense or you know off kilter and so the more we can be real with our emotions and expressive uh, but effectively expressive we're going to find success in all sorts of areas so um I think also having someone, it doesn't have to be a ton, but we need someone who understands us, how we actually are, and doesn't judge us for that, but just sees it as maybe uh, this is a behavior, this is a, an emotion that this person has, but they right. separate that out from the person and still appreciate them, connect with them, care about them. So that allows you to bring your authentic self out further and not feel like you have to crowd it with all these other layers within that relationship you're accepted right right so um how how would we be able to sort of expand that idea of being authentic into what it looks like uh when you are authentic all the time i mean is there anybody that is authentic all the time 
I think there are people who are authentic at um, using their adaptive selves and very aware and very sort of in control of that in a way that works for them and other people where it's not injurious to either. Um, and so that I think is the most successful sort of um, goal, if you will, is to, again, be really clear on who we are and what our other selves are there for and to use them effectively and appropriately. And then, um, you know, be in our authentic self as much as possible, because the more we are in our authentic self, the easier it is to be in our authentic self. Like success breeds success with this, right? So there are some layers that go along with this where we have to learn to weed the garden, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we have to learn how to let go of certain things, maybe expectations or relationships that aren't serving us super well. Um, and it's hard to do that uh, at times, even in the authentic self. But it's important because if we're not lining up with something that's working for us mm -hmm. or the way, you know, a, an interaction is working for us, we need to do something about it or accept that and let that go. But we can't just keep all of these things in our life that don't work for us. That's what um, really decreases happiness. It's not the things we have that make us happy. It's the lack of things that bring us down and pull us away from our authentic self. Oh, it's interesting that you say that because I read something recently about, uh, how much courage it takes to let go of negative relationships. Yeah. Because sometimes those negative relationships are friends, even friends that we've had for a long time. Yeah. Sometimes, the sometimes the negative relationships are family members mm -hmm. that have sort of uh, been impacting us since the beginning of our time. Yes. So how, um, how, how essential is it that you surround yourself with positive people and try to determine who those negative people are? It's really important. Uh, this is sort of an extreme example of this, but uh, I heard someone say one time that if you surround yourself with millionaires, you'll be a millionaire. If you surround yourself with drug dealers, you're going to deal drugs. If you surround yourself with people who are positive, you're probably going to be more positive. I mean, the examples can go on. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that we um, if we are engaged in relationships and they're genuinely not working for our authentic self, we're going to have all sorts of angst and, and built up sort of um emotions about that in conflict with ourselves. So we're either going to take that out on ourselves or take that out on someone else. Either way, that's not good. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to act out in certain ways that are not us that are actually further from our, our authentic self. So just like I was saying, success can breed success. The other is true as well. It can yeah. decline and spiral into these other layers where you start even saying, yes to even more things that aren't genuinely what you want to be doing or, or participating in because at that point you're just like in a hole you're just like not really along for you're just along for the ride um, but that builds to a point where um, if other people are then connecting to that self you start worrying um that if you go into your authentic self, are you going to lose those relationships? Are they still going to accept you? Again, our human need, our human need is like genetically encrypted. We have a coding that um, scientifically requires us to feel needed and connected. It goes back to the days of um, caveman days and, you know, being out in the safari. And if you are faced with a pack of hyenas or whatever is out there, um, you know, if you don't have claws and fangs, 
things and all this to protect yourself, you have your mass group, you have your tribe, you can all yell at the same time and that animal is going to run away. But if you're an outlier and you don't have your tribe or your pack and you're feeling further and further away, we know that those are the those are the things that get picked off, right? right and right. you feel that, you feel that at your core when you see people who are sort of alone, in a sense, you feel worried for them. You feel like you care about that, but you don't, you know, they have to be um, integrated and you have to feel that yourself at some level. So if you only feel that way with, um, through your adaptive self and not your authentic self layers, there's a part of you that's constantly feeling like something bad's going to happen. Mm. And that's where the anxiety piece gets out of control. Yeah. I certainly have, um, heard from people over the years, uh, concern about what would happen if somebody knew who, who their authentic self was exactly, whether it's uh, a lack of confidence at work. You know, yeah. like if they really knew me, I wouldn't be as successful as I am right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, uh, so it's interesting uh, that you should say that because I, I, you know, I've heard that concern myself. Mm -hmm. um, how does social media fit into all of this? Because I tend to look at social media and think, you know, sometimes people are real. Sometimes people are saying, you know, Ugh, I've had the worst day of my life or whatever. But more often than not, social media is kind of the upside of our lives, right? I think social media, we can um, be selective. And in that process, we have to decide, are we selecting one of these adaptive selves to respond to whatever it is that we're saying? Um, or is that our authentic self? And is it our authentic self that we want to be? Mm -hmm. So we can continue to adapt our authentic self, if you will, the more we pay attention to um, all sorts of biorhythms and feedback loops around this works for me. And if it works for us and we're feeling like we get a response where we're connected, then yeah, we're probably going to keep doing that. But with social media and teenagers, as they're developing their identity and trying on different parts, it can be challenging, really challenging territory. It can also be somewhat positively reinforcing, but I'll say that, you know, right now there are teens that are struggling with um, just even at the basic level of feeling like their body image is under scrutiny or under a microscope on social media. Of course, the camera adds some perceived look of weight to a body. And so if somebody is concerned about that, that's just going to enhance it um, and give them a bit of a false sense of that, especially if uh, people scrutinize and have really negative comments on somebody's thread, you know, and they're taking that personally and they're, you know, but it depends on how much they sort of um, are authentically passionate about their statement. Is it kind? Is it supportive? Is it rewarding? Um, you know, if it's really super negative and it's hurting someone, that's, that's against our heart wiring we you know one of the things that is essential for mental health is feeling like we contribute positively that we're helping others that we are um you know ultimately helping ourselves as well and i do think there's a bit of a conflict when that happens and it's super negative and, and pulling people down so what do you what do you say to somebody i mean if if you've got somebody that comes in for treatment and you know they're sort of uh shrugging their shoulders and saying, you know, well, I told him to blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, and hey, that's just me. That's just me. Mm. And what do you say to somebody if you think their comments are overly negative or hurtful? 
Well, I like to, to use the parts language. I'll ask them, is that all of you? Are there other, is there another part of you that feels differently or thinks differently? And sometimes there is, sometimes there's a stubbornness and the person will say, that's exactly how I feel hundred percent. And sometimes that may be true. Um, the thing is, is that then we're exploring how much, what are you going to do with that? You know, and when you think about what you're going to do with that, how does that how does that respond to you? Is that feel right? Does that fit? You know, there's a lot of assessing if this, you know, slowing it down, in other words, to really consider if this is how I feel and um, what do I want to do about that? Some of it is letting it go, sometimes acting on it. Um, but I do like to use the parts language because oftentimes people will say, well, part of me thinks this and a part of me thinks this. And then we're we're making some progress, right? We can start to really peel back those layers. And so that's um, important to do. But I also wanna say, going back to the social media, just briefly, that there are definitely some parts that work for people. Um, you know, even uh, teenagers, early 20s and 30s, and people who are um, influencers, so to speak, on social media, you know, if they're feeling like they're doing something good for the good, you know, they can feel very rewarded, um, especially if it's their authentic self that is coming across. If it's not their authentic self and they're consistently like um, actors in a, you know, um, and uh, this happens a lot with people who are really popular and famous and actors and actresses, right, that they are acting a role. And so the fear is when the curtain, you know, closes, then what, it's, you know, right, they're still in that role. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So um, when so so we know when we're being authentic, generally by this sort of overall sense of well-being that we have. Yes. Is, is there an internal clock that says to us, or uh, an internal mirror that says, "Hey, this is not you. This is not how you, how you should be acting. I'm, uh, we get shoulds from the outside. Do we get shoulds from the inside? We sure do. That's a great question. The internal clock is more of an internal process. Physiologically, our bodies really do communicate with us. So if we're getting stomach aches and we're, our throat, it feels like it's closing up or a weight on our chest. Um, if we're feeling really tensed up, we need to take a look at that because that's usually the body communicating um, that something isn't quite right, that it's not in alignment. I don't mean your spine in alignment. I mean like your emotions in alignment. And um, <clears throat> that is still tied to that fight, flight, or freeze response, right, of, of doing something about this conflict. Um, so I would say it's really important to ask your kids, ask your partner, ask yourself, like, where are you feeling this in your body? Because if we can actually tune into where we're feeling it, um, we can then try and attend to that a little bit further. So a lot of times there's like gut issues and, you know, um, also it's it's epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol, spilling. problems sleep problems sleep problems absolutely it's you know there's a physiological response of stress hormones spilling into our gut there's sleep problems that interrupt our circadian rhythm that um you know there are people who are thinking so much during the day sometimes overthinkers right and at night what they're doing is the brain wants to continue to figure stuff out if we have to if we feel like we have to figure stuff out all the time our brain's not just going to stop when we're asleep 
So it does that in the stage three sleep where we're REM sleep, where we're trying to um, work things out. Sometimes people have a lot more vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. They're really active at night. And so when they wake up, they're not feeling rejuvenated because they haven't dropped down into that stage four, which is that rejuvenating, healing, restful type of sleep. And if we're not dropping down because we're so busy in our resting time, we're not going to feel it's going to be a cycle, right? We wake up already fatigued and then we're not as inclined to maybe work out or do these other things that we want to do. Then we say stuff about ourselves. Like, I don't know what my problem is. I can't get my act together. You know, one thing leads to another. And then we're having these negative conversations with ourselves that we're ending up thinking about during the day, overthinking. It's a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. Yeah. Listen, you asked me last week, to just be mindful during the week about uh, times when I was either aware of being my authentic self or not being my authentic self. And um, an insight that I had about myself this week is that I feel, I I have a hard time saying no. Mm. And... So to that one. Yeah. So I think I probably have many situations where I let go of my authentic self because my authentic self is either tired or stressed or hungry or whatever in need mm-hmm. of quiet because yeah. somebody comes along and says, Hey, can you whatever? Mm-hmm. And um, I struggle with saying no. Yeah, it's tough because again, we we have this innate need for connection, but if we can remind ourselves we have that, that this is a different scenario, um, that it really is important. Otherwise we can wear ourselves out and again, be less our authentic self, which serves no one. It ends up feeling worse for us and it feels worse for people in the, in the long run. Uh, I can relate to your... Um, challenge there. And I definitely would say that I benefit from a conversation from my adaptive self and my authentic self. And I'll say literally, um, Hey, authentic self, like, what do you want to do about this? And then I'll ask like, why is this other one coming up? I'll try and figure out, figure that out. I uh, checked in on someone the other day that I hadn't heard from in a while. And usually if I don't hear from them, I I'm sort of like, I need to check in and see how they're doing more not to, you know, basically to be like, Hey, just thinking of you, hope you're doing well. Um, the instant response back was, um, can you do dinner? You know, and I would love to do dinner with that person. But the thing is, is that I literally have no more evenings that I feel like I can do something different because I really want to have dinner with my family that night. And I feel like that's what I want to do. So I literally had to say, and it's been so long and I say no often, which feels not great. Mm-hmm. But I literally say, I would absolutely love to have dinner. And I, I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. And, you know, I kind of leave it there with a period now, instead of a long explanation. Um, and that feels a lot better, the more you do it and try it without going into, you know, a justification. So what kind of a response have you had from people? So, I mean, have you ever had anybody say, well, forget it then? There have been, um, but I would say that my closest friends who know me and family who know me know that absolutely if I could, I would. 
And so there's just a, ge a general understanding that it's not personal. And I've had to have conversations with people at times about that and understand that that's me when I'm tapped out or if I don't have much left and um, or if I'm really feeling torn and I, I that they can trust me that I'm going to make that decision. And it does. Eventually, I do have that um, time with that person, but it's not. Uh, taken personally, but we had to establish that a bit. So there are people who won't necessarily understand that. And I have gotten in my life, I'm okay with that. There was a time when I was younger. So when we we're talking about our authentic selves and being real and sort of like putting that out there, I used to think part of my adaptive self was to be very much a people pleaser. And so I would go through my family and, and friends and school and community just really having a smile and saying yes to a lot of different things in a, a, a pleasing sort of way. But I did in, and all the way to the point where I would not want to make any waves. Um, and if somebody said, what would you like to eat? I'd say, oh, whatever, whatever you'd like. And I know we've talked about certain aspects of this before, but I just want to use it as a reminder that what happened is I ultimately blend, I realize I blended in so much. Um, I was pretty forgettable going through like high school and maybe people would disagree, but I really felt like ultimately I was forgettable because I didn't bring my authentic self around saying, I would love king crab legs because I love them and I tear them apart and it's delicious or whatever. I'm just saying that, you know, that we have to go through life and really pay attention as we develop through different life cycle stages of what are we trying to do and why are we trying to, why was I trying to blend in? Well, I just didn't want anyone to get upset or get mad at me or anything, but then I blended in too much. So our adaptive selves are like a dimmer switch, not a light switch. Yeah, that's interesting. That's exactly what I was just thinking that I, I, I sort of had the image of the seesaw. You know, exactly. that sometimes you're being authentic, maybe a little too authentic, come back and exactly. be a little more adaptive. Yep. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. So um, our takeaway, I guess, from today's show, and I want to encourage viewers, if they have specific questions, specific uh, topics related to the authentic self, related to being genuine and learning how to balance things, that they email us through BCTV uh, because we, I haven't even talked to you about this yet, but um, the idea of doing sort of a frequently asked questions episode where Love people it. send in their questions based on what we've covered up until this point. I think that might there might there might be a place in our show for that, Diane. What do you think? I love that idea. I feel like there are questions that come up with um, clients that I work with. I had a parent ask and, and daughter ask the other day. They said, um, and basically the dilemma was that the daughter wanted to buy certain clothing. It was a very um, large sweatshirt that she wanted. The mom just said, maybe a medium, um, you know, because again, the idea of like not wanting to spend money on something that might not fit or work or whatever, but the daughter advocated and was like, you know, she, they have to learn how to do things on their own and figure out what, what they actually like the look of right, and the right. feel of. So anyways, the adaptive, the authentic self wanted to just say, you know, said actually, 
I, I really would like to make that decision. And the adaptive self would have just gone along with that. Do you know what I mean? So some of this pushback that people get, um, I just want the viewers to think widely about the idea of how this adaptive and authentic self creeps in in all different ways, whether it's clothing selections, whether it's, you know, whatever the case may be. And we want to support a person's process around getting into their authentic self as much as possible. So yeah, brainstorm, whatever comes up for people. I would love Excellent. to hear it. Excellent advice from my advisor and mental health mentor, Diane Vaccarello. <laughs> Please send us your questions or concerns, any ideas for future episodes. And Diane, guess what? I'm giving you the heads up that I'll see you next week. Sounds great, Sue. All right, see listen, have a, have a good one. You too. Okay, take care. Bye. So if you're feeling low,